In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity, tells you there is more to uncover. How, how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism, immersive and intimate stories. I was stone-cold speechless. Nothing will ever, 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 ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. This message comes from NPR sponsor Subaru, introducing the all-new 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Equipped with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.2 inches of ground clearance, and all-terrain tires. Discover more at Subaru.com slash wilderness. At the beginning of the season, we told you we'd be bringing you stories of bravery from folks who had the boldness to go all out and work towards something much bigger than themselves. For our last episode, a story of courage from three different perspectives. I was the only one downstairs and the carbon monoxide had overtaken the house. I looked across the hallway and in a bathtub I see this young girl. Out of all the thousands of people throughout your career, you still thought about me. It's the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. I'm Camila Kashani. To help us get started on this one, I sat down with my friend, Courtney Gilbert. How many interviews did you facilitate with StoryCorps while you were with us? Something north of 300. Dang, dude. So typically when folks record with StoryCorps, they have a facilitator there. Someone who walks them through the process, answers questions, makes sure they sound good. They essentially facilitate the whole experience. Courtney worked on our mobile tour, which is basically a traveling recording booth. At the beginning of 2020, it was parked in Santa Monica, California. That's when Los Angeles County firefighter Derek Bart stepped into the booth. It was the last appointment of the day, and it was a solo. A solo means the person comes alone. In Derek's case, his interview partner had to cancel. So Courtney stepped in to interview him. It really tasks you to be present and super vulnerable with someone you literally just met. He was like visibly nervous and yeah, I'm not sure what I'm getting myself into, but I'm going to try it. And what he started to do when we were checking him in was tell us what he wanted to talk about. And we're like, hey, 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 (laughs) you're telling the story before we recorded, like, come on in here, get set up. Derek spent 33 years in the Los Angeles County Fire Department, and he was starting to think about retiring. So he had a lot of stories about his work, his colleagues, the moments that stuck with him. And towards the end of his interview, Courtney asked Derek one last thing. He took the question and he took his time with it. And that's when I started to feel like something bigger was happening. Here's that moment from their 2020 recording. With the time left that we have here, Derek, I would like for you to just describe the ways that you would like to be remembered. That's kind of a hard question that you asked me today because actually I just found out today that I might have pancreatic cancer. Wow. But I'm hopeful, and hopefully it's not it. You know, in the fire service, you know, cancer is a part of what we get. You know, unfortunately. And um, I'm still kind of processing this today. 
That was the first time that Derek had told anyone about his diagnosis. It felt like the air got sucked out of the room. I remember just being like, should we stop? And him looking at me like, I want to do this. I want to continue. I want to get this on the record. And we were crying. I remember holding his hand and I, I still really didn't have the words. Like, what do you say? You know, like, although he was positive and mostly happy and, and happy to share, his recording was about his grief and him mourning the loss of a lot of things, mourning retiring, mourning his own death, you know, while still being here, trying to remember and just trying to kind of hold on for what seemed like the last time. And that's something that I had never, ever, ever experienced. And he was just like, I'm going to be okay. Don't be sad. Don't be sad for me. You all have a great evening. Like trying to to console us, honestly. Ah. And then he headed out. And I'll never forget that. Watching him walk away, just kind of slowly dissolving into the darkness of the night. There's already a chill in the air and there's a little bit of a chill on my spine. It was just like, oh. This is it. This is it, you know? And he knows it too. After that night, Courtney thought about Derek a lot. A month later, the COVID-19 pandemic shut everything down. So Derek's interview was one of the last ones that Courtney did in person. And a lot of what he talked about that day stayed with her, including this story. He starts talking about how he remembers saving a little girl, Maisha, and then meeting her years later. Maisha was an eight-year-old girl that he'd rescued from a house fire back in 1993. Here's that moment from his recording. It was a cold, windy night, and the wind knocked the power out. And so they were using candles to see, and they went to bed. When we got there, the room I went to was fully involved with the fire. I said, okay, if anybody's in here, they're unsurvivable. But I checked the next bedroom, which had bunk beds. So, okay, children, kids like to hide in the closet. They hide under the beds. They hide in the bathtub. So I looked across the hallway, and in a bathtub, I see this young girl. Her name is Maisha, and I noticed that uh, her face and hands are burned. So I run there, I grab her, throw her over my shoulders, go downstairs. And it's one of those scenes where you just say, God, you know, please get me out of here. You know, this is horrible. I considered going to a hospital, but it was too emotional. So I didn't go. But for years, I always wondered how Maisha was. Well, 12 years later, I found myself in Walmart, and this girl walks by me. Her face and hands had obviously been burned. And she has a name tag that says Maisha. She says, Hi, how may I help you? I said, hey, if I get too personal, please stop me. But February 1993, I went on fire. I pulled out a little girl, and she starts crying, and I'm crying. And she says, oh, my God, that's me. We'll meet Maisha after a short break. And we'll share an update to Derek's story that gave Courtney this reaction. And then... Da, da, da. <laughs> the shock of my life, right? <laughs> Stay with us.
Hi, this is Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. Support for our podcast and the following message comes from Morgan Stanley, a proud sponsor of StoryCorps. Morgan Stanley is committed to giving back and to fostering meaningful dialogue among people and communities. See how Morgan Stanley, through demonstrating their core values, is giving back to the communities where they live and work at morganstanley.com. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. So far this episode, we've heard a lot from the man who saved Maisha nearly 30 years ago. But we haven't heard from Maisha or the woman who was there for her every day since. Maisha's mother, Paula Smithbull, was also in the house that night. And when the fire broke out upstairs, she tried to save her family before the firefighters got there. Here's Paula and Maisha talking about what happened next. I was the only one downstairs and the carbon dioxide had overtaking the house. I ran upstairs. I got my sister's two sons. And when I went to try to get you, the fire department wouldn't allow me to go back into the home. You know, there was two that didn't make it. My sister and my three-year-old nephew. But Derek brought you out of the home and we went to the burn unit. It seemed like an eternity waiting to get some type of news. They told me it didn't look good because you were burned more internally than you was externally. Watching you fight, being strong enough to withstand everything that the doctors had written off, it was the hardest 30 days of my life. You woke up in the hospital. Do you remember recovering from any of your injuries? I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) When you came home, you had a lot of special garments to pull the skin together. You had it on your arms, over your chest and your back and your shoulder, and you had a face guard. And at eight years old, those would be the items you would have to go to school in. Where did you find the strength to move forward as a child? He pushed me to make me understand I'm no different than anybody else. And it definitely helped me to look at life totally different as far as being grateful for being able to still be here. Your sad times, your joys, we've done it together. Nothing and nobody will come between that love that I share with you and for you. Well, mom, you are definitely the reason why I try to remain so positive. We've definitely had our ups and downs for sure, but at the end of the day, it's nothing that I would change. And I couldn't ask for a better mom. Thank you. And hopefully someone who's going through a hard time or a tragedy will know that There is hope at the end of it. You can fall, but just don't stay there. 
So this brings us back to the beginning of the story, when firefighter Derek Bart was going through a hard time. Remember that cancer diagnosis? Well, about a week after his story core interview, Derek actually found out he'd been misdiagnosed and he was going to live. So he decided to have another StoryCorps conversation with the person who helped him through that dark period, Maisha, the woman he carried out of a burning building 30 years ago. Out of all the thousands of people throughout your career, you still thought about me. I was just curious to know, like, why me? In the fire service, you see a lot of tragedy. And the people that are alive today, you always think about them. And you always will know if they're okay. You know, of course I had some health issues, but I'm okay. You know, the image I have of you was somebody that was just determined to fight to make it. I want you to know that you've carried me through some tough times. For that, I'm forever grateful. I appreciate being able to (laughs) be a part of that. It amazes me just to know that the memory from 30 years ago is still with you, and that means a lot. You know, it was a brief moment that you and I had our encounter back in 1993, but I hope you always remember how valued you are, that people care about you. I thank you, and I thank God every day. I cherish this. Oates talking with Los Angeles County firefighter Derek Bart. Derek is retiring after 33 years of service in February of this year, and Maisha and her mother Paula will be there at his party. That's all for this episode of the StoryCorps podcast. It was produced by Jared Sport and edited by Jasmine Morris, who's our executive editor. Our technical director is Jarrett Floyd, who also composed our theme song. Our fact checker is Natsumi Ajisaka. Special thanks to Courtney Gilbert, Ava Ahmadbegi, Jerome Nelson, Michael Garofalo, and Eleanor Vasili. To see what music we used in the episode, go to storycore.org. You can also check out original artwork created by Lynn Lucien. For the StoryCorps podcast, I'm Camila Kashani. Catch you next season. This podcast is brought to you by supporters of StoryCorps, an independently funded nonprofit organization, and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. StoryCorps is supported by the Fetzer Institute, helping build the spiritual foundation for a loving world. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? 
Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research, on, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. 